Blog Talk Radio. Rise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. A new day has dawned. All over the earth, men and women are arising. It's time for the sons of God to awake. It is a day of justice, recompense, Restoration, revival, and resurrection power. And good morning, ladies and gentlemen. This is Vincent Xavier, pastor of New Wine Ministries. We are halfway there. Today we count the 25th day of the counting of the Omer, if you will. And I want to give you a little background for what I'm talking about. Those of you that participated in the Feast of Passover Unleavened Bread and First Fruits a few weeks ago, actually 25 days ago, um, you know that we have been set on a course in the economy of the kingdom of heaven to celebrate the feast of the Lord. And this season of the feast begins in the spring and it ends in the fall, according to the biblical calendar of things. And so the year begins in the spring feast of Passover, which is a two-day feast. The seven-day Feast of Unleavened Bread that's connected to Passover, and on the third day of Unleavened Bread, you have the Feast of First Fruits. And so these are the first three feasts of the Lord, and we celebrated them the best we knew, not an outward obligatory fashion, but as an inward understanding, a revelation of the meaning of Passover, the meaning of Unleavened Bread, the meaning of First Fruits, and we talked about that. We, we honored the Lord with uh, our participation in his feasts. And one of the things that we're called to do in Leviticus chapter 23, and I want to share this with you, beginning in verse, oh, let's just go to, uh, where did it go? All right, so 
in verse 15, okay, verse 15, and it says in Leviticus 23, 15, and you shall count unto you from the morrow after the Sabbath, and that's talking about the feast of Passover in the first night is a holy convocation is a high holy day, the Passover and the Sabbath associated with it. Well, you shall count, and that's a really important word right there, count. You shall count unto you from the morrow after the Sabbath, from the day that you brought the sheaf of the wave offering, seven Sabbaths shall be complete. Seven Sabbaths shall be complete. Oh, I want to refer to my scriptures in the, uh, my old Bible because I have a lot of notes in there. So again, let me just bring this out. All right, so uh, you shall count, and that is the safat. So here's the word for count, by the way. You shall count, and that is the safar, and it is a, a counting that took place uh, properly to score with a mark as a tally or a record. Uh, it means to, uh, to enumerate, um, and so he's a count, there's a counting taking place here. And then it goes on to say, uh, from the morrow after the Sabbath, from the day that you brought the sheaf. Now, the word sheaf here is the big word. The sheaf is the omer, okay? The counting of the sheaf, the counting of the omer. So it, you, you count from the morrow after the Sabbath, from the day that you brought the omer of the wave offering, you're to count seven Sabbaths, okay? And an omer was a tenth. It was an uh, an ephah. It was a dry measure or two liters. And so the idea was that Israel from Passover, the day after Passover, they were to count 49 days or seven weeks. And on the 50th day, that would be a Shavuot. That would be the next great feast of the Lord. We know it in the New Testament as Pentecost. So if we're doing the daily count, and a lot of people don't do this, and there's no, you know, salvation connected to this. It's just entering into the uh, prescribed uh, feast of the Lord that carry on into eternity. Quite frankly, the Word of God is very clear about the feast of the Lord. However, if we are counting, today is the 25th day, which is right in the middle. So in another 25 days, it will be Shavuot, or the Feast of Pente, or 50 is the word Pente, cost, Pentecost, 50 days after Passover. We see it realized when Yeshua went to the cross as the Passover Lamb of God, and that, you know, he rose on the third day, being the first fruits of the resurrection, which was another feast that was typified, okay, and so now we're counting the days. And what did he tell the disciples to do after his resurrection? He said, go into Jerusalem and wait until you be dude on high with power, okay? And so they were waiting. And in the book of Acts, while they were waiting, Peter comes up in chapter one of the book of Acts with an understanding out of the book of Psalms that somebody had to replace the bishopric of Judas, and he finds the scripture about Judas had fallen in transgression and uh, his bishopric shall another take. So while they're waiting for the day of Pentecost in the Old Testament, they were waiting for the Feast of First Fruits or Shavuot, 
or the Feast of Weeks, okay? And uh, the Feast of Harvest is another way they called it. So while they're waiting the, uh, for, for this endowment of power, which was going to be the baptism of the Holy Spirit, they're getting things in order. And my, my hope is that you and I, since Passover, since the Feast of Unleavened Bread and the Feast of First Fruits, that we have been witnessing God dealing with things in our lives personally and in the ecclesia corporately, uh, getting things worked out, filling in the gaps. Uh, somebody, now Judas is gone. We need to choose Matthias uh, as the 12th apostle. There had to be divine order. And I'm telling you that the prophetic word for today for you in the ecclesia that you belong to, everything is about divine order. There needs to be an ordering of things in order for the Lord to do what he wants to do in the ecclesia. He doesn't want any gaps. He doesn't want any cracks in the cisterns. He doesn't want any um, opportunity for things to get lost. So while we are in this moment and we're willing to go along with the scripture and we're willing to count the days, count them off. All right, 21, 25 days left. Tomorrow will be the 26th day. The day after that, the 27th day. And every day begins at the setting of the sun. So this was what God was asking them to do. And this was leading them to the next great feast. For you and I, we know it is Pentecost. And Pentecost happens in the book of Acts. The book of Acts, I'm just going to lay some things forward to you right now. Do with it what you will. Okay, the book of Acts is a template for the church throughout the last 2,000 years in the church age. The book of Acts is the testimony the book of Acts is the memorial. The book of Acts is a monumental document. You know, we go back and we read the documents of the Declaration of Independence, right? Why do we do that? We go back to the founding. We go back to the origination, the genesis of our nation. We read the Constitution of the United States, another document, another monument and we go back and we look at the statues and we look at the monuments and we look at the writings. Why do we do that? Because here we are in a country that's 200 and something years down the road and we're losing our way because the foundational documentation or the monuments that spoke of our history have been removed. Okay, and when you bring a generation 260 some odd years down the road and they have no founding, they are disconnected from their origins and they have nothing to refer to. Well, we wind up getting lost like we're being lost as a generation within our nation today. But for the Christian, for the ecclesia, for the church that is living in the world today, we have a template. We have a monument. We have a testimony, a witness. And what am I referring to? If you go back to the book of Joshua, you will remember that when Joshua was anointed and appointed by God to bring Israel out of the wilderness, over the Jordan, into the promised land, one of the things that God told him to do was to gather the 12 elders from the 12 tribes of Israel. Each singular elder was to take up a stone, and they were to carry the stone across the Jordan River. 
And each one of those 12 elders would bring the stone. They were big stones. They carried them on their shoulders. And when they got on the other side, they piled those 12 stones. And the purpose, God said to Joshua for this taking place was so that generations to come, that when your children and your children's children would come and they would see these stones, they would ask, what mean these stones? And those stones were to be a memorial. This is all in the book of Joshua, chapter 3, 4, and 5. And so they actually did that. These 12 elders from the 12 tribes took 12 stones, carried them over. They piled them together so that future generations would come and say, what, the, what does this mean? And they would tell the story. Well, in the book of Acts, we have 12 apostles 12 spiritual stones laying a document of the origin of the church. And so that future generations, we being the 50th generation, if a generation is 40 years, and we know that that's what Israel was in the wilderness for 40 years, 40 years uh, is, is an age of a generation. It's one of the numbers for a generation. Well, we are the 50th generation. 50 times 40 is 2,000. We are the 50th generation since the template was laid in the book of Acts. In other words, 50 is the Jubilee generation. We are the 50th generation, the Jubilee generation, because after 49 years in Leviticus chapter 25, the 50th year was a year of release, a year of Jubilee, a year of everything returning back. And so we know that we are in the context of the 50th generation since the template was laid in the book of Acts when the 12 apostles carried their witness, and it's now written in document form in the Bible, in the scriptures, so that you and I, rather than being lost, can go back and refer to the template and understand how things were done and what God is going to do again. The reason why God left a witness for future generations is to tell them, this is the God that your father served. This is what God did then, and God can do it again. And we are the generation that God is saying, I'm ready to do it again. I'm going to do what was done in the book of Acts, but I'm going to do it in a double portion fashion because I have saved the best for last in the book of John, in the Gospel of John, when Jesus went to the wedding of Cana of Galilee, it was on the third day that he manifested forth his glory by beginning his ministry of miracles. And when the governor of the feast tasted the wine that Jesus turned water into wine, he said, wait a second, everybody gives the best wine at first, and then when people are well drunk, then they give them the cheap stuff, but you save the best for last. This is a spiritual principle in the economy of the kingdom of heaven that what God did in the book of Acts, he's going to do again, but he's going to do it in a double portion with a greater benefit and blessing. He's saving the best for last. And what is that double portion? Well, God is not just bringing signs, wonders, and miracles into the church. It's already been there. It's been there for 2,000 years. We expect an exponential release of supernatural miracles in impossible situations that have not been touched. So we believe that's coming. We believe not only are miracles, signs, and wonders going to be exponentially, uh, you know, wonderfully uh, accomplished, 
But we also believe the double portion is that the governmental aspects of the kingdom of God are going to begin to manifest in the earth as well. That through the church, the ecclesia, the body of Christ that comes into a divine order, there is going to be governmental power that is going to shake the nations of the earth. We believe that. We believe that God has a government, and the 12 tribes and the 12 elders represented the government of God. 12 is a governmental number. That's why Jesus didn't choose 10 disciples or 14 disciples. He chose 12 because upon the shoulder of those 12, his government would reside. We believe that the government of God is coming back into this earth to contend with the governments of this world. Our government, the government of God, involves shutting up the heavens for three and a half years like Elijah did, or turning the water into blood, or releasing the plagues like the two witnesses will do in the book of Revelation. We believe that a governmental power that has already been previewed in the scriptures all the way back to the days of Moses, Elijah, Noah, wherever, the government of God will prevail. But when you have an ecclesia, a global ecclesia on the earth and the word of the Lord going out of their mouth with the governmental mandate of the kingdom of heaven, speaking the right word at the right time, my God, is it going to shake the heavens and the earth? God's not going to shake the heavens and the earth all by himself. He's going to shake the heavens and the earth when the voice of the government of God in the earth releases. So there's a sound that's coming. And it is, it, it is a joyful sound. It's a powerful sound. But it is a governmental sound. And you and I need to become aware and cognizant and be thinking and waiting to see how the Holy Spirit is moving in us because a sound is what came in the book of Acts 2,000 years ago, a sound out of heaven. And it was a sound of a mighty rushing wind. Well, there is a sound that is about to be released in the earth, and I believe it's a prophetic sound, and I believe it is a sound of the government of God, the authority, the word spoken, the voice of the people of God. I really believe this. So, it is so important for divine order. Right now, the church is in array. It's a mess. It is broken, twisted. It's just, it's not in order. Groups are all over the world doing their own thing, and it's wonderful, and there's presence, and there's good stuff, but God's calling for divine order. And that's what was going on in the book of Acts, this template. You and I, the final generation, the 50th generation, are coming back to the template, and we're going, all right, let's read this, because it's what God did. It's what God's going to do again. It's going to have apostolic authority, governmental authority. God is restoring to the ecclesia, the apostle and prophet. God is restoring to the people a prophetic word that's going to resonate with their heart, an apostolic laying forth of doctrine, which is what the early church fed upon. All right, so what a unique moment for you and I, and the only question is, do you believe it? You know, you could say, well, these are just the words of a man, or you could find in studying the prophetic pattern of Scripture that is declaring a supernatural reality that God is ready to open the heavens again like he did 2,000 years ago, but it requires a people coming into one place in one accord, a unanimous Harmony of allowing the shoulder, the governmental aspects in Jerusalem, 
2,000 years ago, there were 5,000 people added to the church in one day, but those 5,000 people were becoming subject to the government of God, which was the 12 apostles that were in the region of Jerusalem. And the apostles, the leaders of the government of God on earth, were receiving their information from the Holy Spirit. They needed to know what to do when the crises began to grow between the Grecian women and the Jewish women, the distribution of food. So what did they do? They said, listen, we can't give ourselves over to this business. We've never been this way before. We need to stay in the word and prayer. So choose you out seven men full of faith and wisdom. And he chose out seven deacons that were filled with the Holy Spirit to conduct the business within the church. But the apostles, as a government, a leadership government, not an overreaching, overpowering government to control people and press them down, but a servant ministry to bring guidance and direction to the ecclesia, this was important. And then God, of course, raised up the apostle Paul, and he started churches all over the world. I mean, 2,000 years ago, there was an amazing release of what is known on this earth today as the Christian church. And without that apostolic order, that governmental power and authority, without God moving through his government, there would be no church today. The principalities, the powers, the the demonic force that was employed against Jesus Christ and those professing to know him, I mean, the force was great. Just go read the book of Acts. And, and that demonic, satanic, unbelieving force of evil to destroy Jesus and the church, it did not prevail. And in the last days, guess what? The Bible tells us there's going to come another attempt of the enemy with the greatest force ever known for three and a half years to bring global persecution against all believers to destroy the name of Jesus Christ, the true Jesus Christ out of the earth. There is a false Jesus, there is a false gospel, and there is a counterfeit Holy Spirit. The book of Corinthians tells us that. So, another Jesus, another gospel, another spirit. Yes, there's going to be false Christ, false spirits, false gospels, false everything, counterfeit, pseudo, but it's not the real deal. The real deal, the true Christians, the true name of Jesus, the true meaning of Jesus, the true power of Jesus, the true gospel that produces holiness, that's going to be warred against. And so there's a counterfeit gospel that doesn't make anything holy, doesn't make anything right, doesn't produce any good fruit. It's just an organizational structure. We don't want to be a part of that. We are members of the organic body of Christ. We want the gospel to be penetrating into our innermost being, bringing sanctification, deliverance, wholeness, healing, reparation, you know, all the great stuff that the gospel's intended to do by the power of the Holy Spirit that works in us and the word of God that governs our lives and gets in and changes us from the inside out. That's what we want. That's what we've always wanted. We don't want just a formula for success in today's world. We want to be a part of the eternal purpose of God. So that's kind of where I'm opening up today, talking about it. And we're halfway there. Pentecost is coming. Wouldn't it be wonderful if in your sphere of influence, beginning in your own heart, your own home, if you were dealing with things that weren't effective, if you found out there were areas that needed to be filled in, gaps that needed to be filled in, like the replacement of the bishopric 
of Judas and Matthias taking that place. I mean, that had to be done before Pentecost came. Is there any disorder in your life, any disorder in your family, any disorder in the ecclesia that you belong to? Now, what does that mean? Again, the, the, the unity here is spoken of a unanimous harmony. There's a harmony. And when you have an ecclesia, called out ones, fellowshipping together, breaking bread, and it comes into a unanimous harmony when things get cleaned up, when confession of sin comes, when, you know, uh, the light is shining on the darkness and the darkness is exposed and people, rather than trying to hide it and cover it, they deal with it. When there's a unanimous harmony in that ecclesia, and again, two or three gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. So if there are two or three people in your ecclesia, or 20 or 30 people, or 200 or 300 people, or two or 3,000, wherever the unanimous harmony comes from. And again, the harmony is not we're all singing the same song and it sounds so beautiful. The harmony is in the spirit. The harmony is in the heart the love for one another, the care for one another, the concern for one another in the body of Christ, a a, a working together. And what it really is in the Greek is the Holy Spirit as the conductor. He's playing every note within that ecclesia. And while all the notes are different, they blend together into a harmony. Now, what does that look like? Can you imagine on the day of Pentecost, you know the story, when we look at the template, the day the Holy Spirit came upon the ecclesia, they all began to speak in other tongues, right? Sat on them with fire. They went down out of the upper room into the temple area where who knows how many tens or hundreds of thousands of people were from all over the world. The Jews came to celebrate because that's what they were supposed to do. They were to be in one place. They were to celebrate the feast three times a year. They were all to be there. So from all over the world of that day, these people were gathered. The temple was bustling, busy, people everywhere, uh, feasting, sacrifices, all of it was going on. And then all of a sudden, these people come out of an upper room, and they're all Galileans, and they all are speaking the wonderful works of God, and every man heard them in their language. And what does the Bible say when you really look at it? Check this out, because I want to show you how this can work, all right? How the conductor of the universe can play every note and blend it together in a harmony rather than a Babylonian confusion, all right? So what what does it look like? It says that, and there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven, now, when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded. So in other words, they were all, and, and here's what they're saying. This is after the Holy Spirit came upon them. They're now down. And it says they were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? And how hear we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and the dwellers in Mesopotamia and in Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia and Phrygia and Pamphylia in Egypt and in the parts of Libya about Cyrene, strangers of Rome, Jews, proselytes, Cretes and Arabians. We do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. Now, wait a second. 
if 12 people or 120 people, whatever the number was, came down out of the upper room and they're all speaking in the languages of all the different nations, one speaking Egypt, one speaking Arabian, wouldn't that bring confusion? No. What they were doing here, it would if it's not God-led, what they were doing here, they're coming out, they're speaking in other tongues, and the people of those nations are hearing them in their language, speaking the wonderful works of God in a harmony, not in a babble, Babylonian, confused languages. You see, in the Tower of Babel, God confounded their language, and it was a confusion. Nobody understood. Well, here all the nations of the Jewish people that were gathered for the feast were hearing this singularity. Different notes speaking, but they were all saying the same thing. My God, is that a uh, conductor of the universe stepping up to the podium, and all of a sudden silence hits the ecclesia of the world, right? And all of a sudden he begins to move his hand, and he begins to move every single instrument, every note, and it's all different, but it's blending, and it becomes a unification, and a sound goes forth. My God, this is what happened. This is in the template. This is in the book of Acts. And God is ready to do it again. And he's asking for the people to come into order. He's ordering his government. He's anointing his government. And it's not about the people. It's about the vessel who carries the anointing. So he's ordering his government in the ecclesia. Okay? In your ecclesia, there should be a, an anointing, an apostolic, prophetic Five-fold ministry anointing should be an operation, and God is sanctifying that. He sanctifies the vessel so that those who carry the anointing, it will not be obstructed. That anointing could flow for the purpose of bringing the people into order. There are so many people out there that want to do it their way. So many people are doing it the way that they think they should be doing it. This is our part, and this is our part. Well, if you have an ecclesia, and you have a government within that ecclesia ordained by God, then by all means. But what God is saying to all the people in these ecclesias scattered around the world is come into order, yield, submit, cooperate with the Holy Spirit that is operating within his government. And I tell you what, the enemy has done a masterful job to get people afraid of that, but don't be afraid, okay? Trust the Lord and begin to submit and to yield and to gather because God is going to manifest forth his plan and purpose through his government. And it's going to come into the body of Christ, and it's going to prosper them. It's going to build them up. I mean, my goodness, the plan is amazing. But you have to be willing to go back to the template. Scattered all over the world right now. Listen, scattered all over the world, from China to India to America, all over the world, South America, Europe, Asia, all over the world, there are groups of believers that believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Some people are underground. Some people are in mega churches. I'm just saying there's this all over the world. The end time purpose of God ultimately is to unite the one 
glorious church without spot and wrinkle. Now, he'll do that in his time and his way, but it must begin with each local ecclesia becoming established and knit together in their hearts, in their hearts. So if you are part of a fellowship, if you are part of a group, but there's no government of God there, there's probably a lot of loose ends that are not going to be dealt with. The government of God is an introspective government. It has eyes to see into the lives of the people so that strategies can be given for their success and their victory. Oh, yeah, that's what salvation is all about. No, this plan of God is absolutely amazing, quite frankly. And where and when is God doing all of this? Right here, right now, in the midst of chaos and confusion, as the world is, is, is coming deeper and deeper under the, the veil of the demonic activity, eventually the whole world is going to be worshiping the dragon. The whole world is going to be worshiping the beast. We read that in the Bible, that the nations are deceived. The beast will have power over every tribe, every tongue, every culture, every language, over all the inhabitants of the earth whose names are not written in the Lamb's book of life. So we know that the world is just going deeper and deeper into the deception. There's pseudo-peace, there's pseudo-government, there's pseudo-stability. It's not real. It's a deception. But the ecclesia, the called out ones who have long departed from the world system and have been brought into the kingdom of God and have learned how to operate on this earth in the kingdom of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost, to be led by the Holy Spirit and to operate within the systems of the kingdom, okay? In every system that the world has is only a, <clears throat> a type and shadow of what God has. So we've learned to operate in God's system. Now, this is happening. And what an amazing moment. I, I, just, I just am amazed at what God is doing. And the only thing that is required for us to see a golden door of opportunity open before us in our generation, the 50th generation, is our cooperation. Our cooperation. I want to highly recommend, if you did not listen or if you did not view our Bible study last night at the New Wine Ministry Church, that you do it. <clears throat> do you listen to the first 30 minutes, start from the very beginning. We don't go into anything, just we start with a Bible study. I really need you to listen to that Bible study. We had last night, and you can find it on Facebook and on YouTube, I'm pretty sure, definitely on Facebook. You need to hear that because it's dealing with the necessity of our cooperation also, if you did not hear yesterday's broadcast, you need to listen to yesterday right here on the Watchman broadcast. And if you have not yet sent it to two or three friends, you need to do it. You need to get yesterday's message out. I'm not saying that in boast of what I did. I got off the air yesterday and I heard more thumbs up about yesterday's message that it needed to go all over the world and the way that happens is by you sending it to people you know that go to church or aren't churched, 
It was a very powerful message as people perceived it, okay? And it should get out there. But last night at our New Wine Ministry, and by the way, I love this, in verse 12 of Acts chapter 2, and they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, what means this? Others mocking said, these men are full of new wine. Oh, yeah, new wine. Because they're, the new wine <clears throat> is... Something intended by God. Remember, he turned the water into wine, the first miracle. Probably the, the end is revealed from the beginning. If the beginning of the miracles of Jesus uh, was turning water into wine, I believe that God has new wine for the end times, and people perceive the expression of the Holy Spirit, they're going to think they're drinking new wine. Well, praise God, we are new wine ministries, and we understand the meaning of that not in name only, but in the intended purpose of God. And I don't know how God's going to work it. I just thought that was pretty cool. So, 936. Have you seen your children today? So let me just say good morning to those of you that are tuned in right now. I want to say good morning to all of our friends on Blog Talk Radio and on the chat room. Charlotte Ghosh is saying good morning. Good morning, Charlotte. David Ellison, we have a good morning there. Good morning, David. Uh, Melissa Fletcher from South Dakota, good morning. We're going to be seeing you again at the end of May. Looking forward to it. All right, so David Ellison says, what do you think about the OK hand sign as the mark? It reads 666, and it's used in meditation of the third eye on the forehead. What do I think about that? Well, we'll talk about that in just a moment. And I guess you're saying this sign here? Interesting. Brenda Torville. Good morning, Pastor Vincent. Good morning, Brenda in Texas. God bless you. Cindy Messman. God bless you. Good morning to you as well, Cindy. Gayla Lawrence. God bless you, Gayla, all the way from New York City. She says the church is a divided mess. We need to walk in the guidance and reliance on the Holy Spirit. Absolutely divine order. It's so important right now. Kevin Hauger, good morning to all. Good morning to you, Kevin. Carol Carey, good morning. God's family, good morning once again. Gayla Lawrence says, great morning, Pastor Vincent. Thank you for sharing this sound and sober message this morning. God, good word, amen. Thank you, Gayla, for your thumbs up. It means a lot to us. Michaela Johanan, Michael V., good morning. Aloha to you as well, Brother Michael. Praise the Lord. What a time we're living in, huh? Wow, amazing. Kenneth Bruns, look around you people. Most churches are not preaching it or are closed, and the world is going to hell in a handbasket. Closed churches? Hmm. Wendy Bredesen, truly born again is what God wants. I know because I was backsliding. I've come back more uh, uh, dedicated and loyal to Almighty God. No apostasy should exist. You're either on or you're out. In or out, Jesus is our government. Amen, Wendy. You got it, sister. Way to go. She also said, truly born again is what God's looking for. Okay, we read that. So she said, the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their cry. Psalm 34:15. Amen to that. Brenda Torville. Yes, it was very powerful. Amen, Brenda. God bless you. Kevin Hauger, we stream our Bible study on YouTube and Facebook, as well as our Saturday and Sunday services. And Kevin is the guy that made that happen. We love him and appreciate him. All right. Also, Janet Ruth Ryder. Good morning. She loves our favorite song. It's a beautiful morning. You took it and ran with it. God bless you. All right, Shirley Woosley. Good morning from Texas. Again, Shirley, 
and David Ellison. Yes, Pastor, right-hand side. All right. So God is moving. There's a template. Holy Spirit's telling us, look at the template. Go back to the book of Acts. See what I did. And remember, the end is revealed from the beginning. There are many beginnings throughout the church and going all the way back to the book of Genesis. But the beginning of the church age, we have to apply the principle. If the end is revealed from the beginning, then we can expect in these end times, being the 50th or Jubilee generation, that what was written in the book of Acts is going to be manifested again. Wow. Do you want to be a part of it? What were they doing? They were traveling around the world. They were gathering together the people of God who had been called out in the different regions. They were downloading them with apostolic doctrine, teaching them, ridding their minds of the cobwebs of dead, dry religion. There was a flow of the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the river of life, getting into the hearts of every individual. When you're taken over by the Holy Spirit, and that wet river is flowing through you, mamma mia, oh my God, is it rich. I'm telling you, there's a life source that is way beyond our own human experience. That life source is God. It is God's spirit. And now you get some gathered together people filled with the Holy Spirit. Now there are signs, wonders, miracles, giftings, character, fruit. I mean, it's all coming together. And then the voice of that unanimous harmony speaking when the Holy Spirit moves his conductorship stick and, and everything begins to go. And at the right moment, I am, I am convinced as we come together, as we get into order, as we yield and submit and cooperate with the Holy Spirit's movings right now, as we gather quietly waiting, I believe there is going to be a sound and the Holy Spirit at the right time is going to move his hand and the notes of his symphony are going to sound and that sound is going to release a vibration and that vibration is going to shake the earth. Oh, ecclesia of God, of course we're disoriented. We're broken. We're scattered. We're divided. And God is saying no more. I'm looking for a people that are willing to give up their right to be right. And I'm looking for a people who understand that there's much more for them than what they've already learned. They don't have to just continue to regurgitate yesterday's formulas. There's something brand new for this time, something the world has never heard in our generation. I'm telling you, there's a sound. There's something. God wants to take back the veil. He wants to release out of heaven as he did 2,000 years ago. He wants to pour out of his spirit. He wants to release something into the earth, but it must come through the channel of the ecclesia. It must come through the channel of the children of God. It must come. It must flow through you and I, and it will never be greater in our region as when we come together. Oh my gosh. And it has to begin. This movement, this moment has to begin in the local assembly. And I'm sure that God knows exactly how when every local assembly is on the same page, there's going to be a unison because the same Holy Spirit, there is only one Holy 
spirit. There is only one God, one faith, one spirit. There's only one. And when that one Holy Spirit is working in every individual group, he'll know exactly when to tie it all together and how he could actually say in, in one breath, the Holy Spirit could say now and every group he's been working with, they'll hear and they'll know and they'll release the sound. I'm not making stuff up. This is in the Bible. This is the template. You see, this is what the book of Acts is all about. And the book of Acts has been preached for generations. But remember, something very unique about our generation that has never existed before in Bible prophecy, Israel has become a nation. Technology has exploded. People are traveling all over the world. End time Bible signs are everywhere. And God has saved the best for last. And let me just add one more unique quality to our generation. We are, if a generation, remember it talks about the generation of Israel was in the wilderness for 40 years. If there's a 40-year generation, we're the 50th. We're the Jubilee generation. What does that mean? The Jubilee generation, we are the 50th. 40 generation people, that means we're the people of the release. Because the Jubilee is all about release. Everything returns. Restoration takes place. It's in Leviticus chapter 25, the year of release. It was, you had the Shemitah every seven years. Well, seven years of seven releases or Shemitahs was met with a Jubilee. And that incorporated the entire nation of Israel. And it was a time all debts paid off. But this is deep spiritual stuff here because we're talking about the Jubilee generation that's going to witness the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. We've got to get positioned. We've got to get into order. We've got to make sure that every local assembly has the government of God operating in it. It's imperative if you want to follow the template. If there's no government in your ecclesia, You're not going to know the way to go. You may have all kinds of wonderful things, but you're not going to be able to navigate with the governmental aspect. You you can deny it all you want to. You can say anything you want. I'm going to the template. If I were in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago and, and I was walking down the street and all of a sudden I saw these people praying in my language the wonderful works of God and I wound up receiving Jesus Christ and got born again, Well, I would recognize that there was a government in those apostles. They were running things on earth. Now, there's been such spiritual abuse and such abuse in the the so-called governments. They weren't the true government of God if there's abuse. But you've got to remember that oftentimes the exact reality of God is met by an exact counterfeit of the devil. And people say, wow, you say the same thing that they used to say, but they were abusive. Well, wait a second. The devil counterfeits everything that is truly of God. The Apostle Paul had a right to say to the church at Corinth, do you want me to come to you with a rod or do you want me to come to you in love? See, he knew he had authority. He had power and authority. See, we're afraid of that today. We don't want to yield to that. We don't want to submit to that. But without doing so, without finding the true pattern. We wander, and this is not a time to wander. This is a time 
that home fellowships, local assemblies, seeing that God just allowed all the doors of mega churches to be shut, for goodness sake, he's wanting the glory to come back into homes. But he wants homes to be places of gathering for the called out ones who are hungry and thirsty for God with his government in operation, the fivefold ministry of the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. If we can't cooperate in that, then what are we ever going to really come into agreement with? So regardless of what others are doing, this is what we're laboring. We are begging by the Spirit. I can hear the begging of the Apostle Paul. Let me just show you what I'm talking about. Why are you begging? Well, the Apostle Paul begged, and what did he beg for? Apostle Paul, here's apostolic anointing, all right? He says in chapter 1, verse 10, 1 Corinthians 1, 10, now I beseech you, and if you look at the word beseech, it means I beg you, I implore you. And who's he talking to? The church at Corinth. And he says, I beg you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, Paul knew something, that you all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. See, that's apostolic anointing. Do you, set, do you get it? The apostolic anointing that was in the man Paul, it wasn't Paul. It was the anointing of the Father's heart. Paul knew what God wanted. And so through Paul, the spirit, the unction, the anointing of the apostolic goes forth like a father to his children. Gather together. Get on the same page. Speak the same thing. Have the same mind. Have the same judgment. No divisions among you. That wasn't Paul's idea. That was God's heart. God's heart today. It is begging people to come into order. Come into order. And yet, because of men's pride, I think everybody wants to be in control. And you are not in control unless you have been ordained by God to be in the government of God. And if you say you are and you become abusive, like the people we've met that sat under godless government, abusive government, those governmenters die and they rot in hell and are tormented. No, no, no. Unless you are really ordained by God, unction to function in the anointing to bring God's people into what God is doing, you are taking power into your hands and you are becoming false. Nobody can afford that. I would run so far away from that. I'd rather depart into the world and disappear than to pretend that I have some governmental authority if I truly don't. I would rather be gone with the wind in the ice-cold reality of apostasy than to take on a mantle that's not real. God forbid it. But here's what I know. There is an unction. There is an anointing. There is a signature. And there's a call to God's people to come into order. Sit down and allow God's government to guide you and teach you and to undo things in you that are not right. And then we can all learn together and grow. But you've got to let God do this. 
And if you're not willing to come under God's plan where God has a government, he's the ultimate head, Jesus Christ is the head, but he has a government on this earth through which he operates and moves through vessels, and you're not willing to submit and cooperate to that, you're in trouble as far as moving on in the purpose of God. You'll be left behind. You may not like what I'm saying, but I'm saying it out of love because I I have an intense desire to just see something happen. And what is that? That golden door of opportunity open and God pour out of his spirit upon us all. Because when that happens, there's a refreshing, a refining, there's an anointing. You see, in the anointed one, in his anointing, when he pours out of his spirit, there comes different manifestations. And what I'm seeing God is doing is he's establishing his government. There's going to be cooperation, open heaven, unity. And out of that anointing that he's ready to pour out will be refreshing upon all the saints and a refining He's going to refine things in our lives to fine-tune us to be his instrument in the earth. Vinny Pots and Pans, Mamma Mia. Hello, Vinny. How are you, sir? We're just talking spiritual kingdom, powerful, wonderful things, I'm pretty sure. Now, um, so the idea here is each local assembly laboring each uh, ecclesia laboring with hope, with faith. You see, if there's already doubt, oh, I don't believe there's going to be an open heaven, and, you know, I've heard that. If there's already doubt, then you're not operating in faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Hope is the confident expectation. If I hope, for, uh, for what I already have, it's, no, it's not hope. But for I hope for what I can see, it's no hope. So hope is the confident expectation. Do you have a confident expectation that God is ready to do something incredible on this earth in his ecclesia, in you? Do you have faith? Not doubt, not double-mindedness. Do you have faith that God is doing something? I believe he is. And so my faith propels me to speak this way, to tell you wherever you are in your ecclesia, hey, go tell your pastor, we need the government of God here. Do we have it? And he said, what do you mean do we have the government of God? We have the word. Yeah, okay, the word is government. That's law. It's the law of God. But are are you utilizing, are you wielding the sword? Are you operating in your position of power properly? And is there apostolic anointing, prophetic anointing, pastoral anointing, teaching anointing, evangelistic anointing? And what is that anointing? It's just God's anointing he puts in a vessel, and it's the anointing. So no man takes glory unto himself. The glory goes to God. It's his anointing. It's his spirit to get things accomplished. And if we do it in our flesh, you could build a great company, uh, become a CEO of a great business, But that's not God's purpose. That's man's purpose. What is God's purpose? Ooh, that's powerful when you think about it. When you think about it. Hey, what are your thoughts? Vinny Pots and Pans, Mama Mia to you too, my brother. Good. Carol Carey, I thought this happened at the Azusa Street Revival in 1902. I think it was 1906. And the uh, Azusa Street Revival began with one gentleman in Azusa, California, who got on his knees and began to pray. And out of that came the charismatic movement. 
the latter rain movement, all these different movements, all these different movements came at that time. And there was, there, there's been revival during the church age for 2,000 years. But what is the purpose of a revival? Really, the purpose of revival is to advance the cause of the kingdom. Okay, you and I are to be salt and light. We are to be preservers of the principles and the values of the kingdom of heaven and the word of God. When we are in revival, we have an unction and a a gusher anointing to preserve, to anoint, to preach with anointing or to teach with anointing or to guide or direct. So there's something very powerful about revival, but it's to the ecclesia to advance the cause of Christ among the nations of the earth. And now we, in our generation, the 50th Jubilee generation, Mm. The Jesus culture in the 1970s. There it is. There it is. My question to you this morning, do you have faith? Do you have hope? Is love guiding both? Do you love God? Do you want to see the heavens open in our generation? Do you want to see the glory fall? I was watching on TBN the other day a concert with, uh, I think it was, oh, I forget his name, but it was called Surrounded. It was the most holy, beautiful thing. Tens of thousands of men and women were gathered together in a stadium, and they were bringing the grace, the songs. The anointing was so powerful. The humility in the leaders of that movement were humbled. And the grace of God and the anointing of God broke out in that place. And it was powerful. That's a little place. That's one little tiny microcosm, one little tiny cell. God wants to pour his spirit out all over the earth. Do you want to be a part of it? Do you, want to, do you want to see it happen? Do you want to be sitting in an upper room in the glory? Do you want to be basking in the glory of God in your living room, seeing the miracle signs and wonders in a day of crisis upon the earth when the lights go out and the nations of the earth go dark and demonic activity is rising like crazy? Do you want to be in that or do you want to be sitting basking in the glory of God with a hedge of God's protection over your home? What do you want? Where do you want to be? I think the day of the mega churches of God's reality are over. I think there's going to be mega churches, but the purpose of the mega church is going to be to take the bundled masses who have been cut off the tree and their branches will be cut off, bundled and cast into the fire. I believe that the mega churches most likely are going to be mega churches of deception, telling people who are offended that they're really saved, people that betray one another in the body of God, they're really saved, they're going to heaven. Oh, there's going to be tons of that. What God has revealed from the beginning, home fellowships, great moments of outpouring in different places, 5,000 at one time, 10,000 at another for salvation, but then discipleship must follow. And that's what the homes are for, discipleship. And without government, there's no true discipleship, the government of God. There's an order. There's a pattern. There's a template the book of Acts. All right. So if you have any comments about what you're hearing today, 
you're welcome to call into the broadcast. And I can see again, as we're talking about God's divine order, again, I can witness the numbers are decreasing. Isn't that interesting? The numbers begin to decrease because we're talking about real God things. Because people just want to know hairy stuff. Some people aren't interested in getting into order, submitting, cooperating with the government of God, even recognizing the government of God on this earth. Some people don't want that. And I question, I, and I think to myself, well, what's going to happen to these people? These lone wolves, these independents, these unwilling ones. When, when these moments come upon the earth, where will they be? Why so disinterested in God things? Oh, I disagree with you. you. There's nothing I've said you could disagree with today. Nothing. Zero. Zilch. You can't disagree with one word that was spoken on this program so far today. Because it's alive. It's God's spirit. It's truth. It's biblical. Oh, well, my reasoning logic. Well, forget about reason and logic. This is true. You've got to get into order. You have got to find a place where you could submit yourself to the government of God for your own well-being. And again, I'm sorry if you have had a, been abused before. I am so sorry. But you do need to be able to receive a rebuke, and you do need to be able to receive reproof, and you do need that. You need somebody to look in your life and hold you accountable. And then, of course, we hold each other accountable. We're all accountable to the Word of God and to one another in the body of Christ. We get that. Talking at two different levels here. We're all accountable, submitting one to another in the fear of God, but there is a governmental order for the church. It is a servant leadership. It is a government that doesn't get higher than your knees, and it, when it's in operation, it serves the transformation in the life of a believer. All right, so we have Shirley Woolsey. Thank you for the word. It will continue to narrow because the way is narrow. Diane Gravely, churches do whatever they want to do. People pleasers. Well said, ladies. Sisters, well said. Vinnie Pots and Pans, they just want their bellies tickled to what they want to hear. Hey, I want to ask you guys a question out there. Are you in fellowship with believers, with the governmental glory of God in that fellowship? Do you belong to a ministry that you are subject to? Or do you come and go as you please, one foot in, one foot out? Are you committed or not sure yet? Are you kind of waiting Hesitation. Remember, the threefold purpose of the devil besides kill, steal, and destroy is to delay, deceive, and distract. I guarantee you that government of God that I'm talking about, the people within that government, the vessels in whom the anointing of God's divine government dwells, I guarantee you those people are not perfect yet. They're sanctified they have been tested. They have been through fire. They've been refined to be able to carry the anointing. But I guarantee there's problems that they're working out in their life because we're all working out our salvation with fear and trembling. So 
That can't be an excuse. Oh, they looked at me wrong. They said something wrong. They got upset. You know how many times the Apostle Paul got upset in his life? You should read his story. It's in the Bible. My point is, are you willing? Are you submitted? Are you committed? You. You're looking at me right now, and I'm asking you. Or do you live somewhere that you need Patricia and I to come to your place of dwelling and to begin a Bible study in your home as you invite your friends and family? And then we need to search it out and be there and to impart into that Bible study to start a work in your region. If you don't want anybody to be in government, you don't want to be submitted or committed, then of course you wouldn't want us to be there because we don't, we're not being led by the Spirit of God to do things in a, in a manner that's pleasing men and not God, as was just said. We are desiring to start fellowships, to bring gathering of hungry hearts of people that desire to be committed, desire relationship, desire fellowship with a godly government that will afford a godly oversight and protection not a denomination, but the saints of God gathered together where the free-flowing Holy Spirit is working in the life to bring deliverance, healing, restoration, direction, soundness of mind, truth, enlightenment, comprehension, all of it. If you're not a part of that, you should be on the phone. Hey, Pastor Vince, I know you got that RV out there. I, I'm going to invite five of my friends seven of my friends, and I want you to come out. We want to start something. We want, we want this. If you don't have that, that's what you need. Now, am I being bold to speak this way? Yes. Is this about me? No. It's about the anointing, what God is doing, the template. And we just happen to be available to the Lord. Okay, that's all it is. So I, I'm speaking boldly about it. I'll probably you know, get some blowback and people's opinions will come up and demons will rage. And who does he think he is? You know, the chorus spirit against Moses. Who are you? I'm nobody if you want to know the truth, but I know how Satan is. I'm asking you a question though. Are you connected in a fellowship where the government of God is in operation? Because if you're not, you need to start praying father in heaven I want your government in my life the way that you designed it. And you need to take me to that place. You need to show me that place. And if there's nothing where you are, we're available to come and labor and do that work. Oh, Satan hates this. Man, you talk about men's pride being played by the demons. Wow. Talk about who's who. You talk about all these things. Satan hates this conversation. His, desire, his job is to divide and conquer, bring gossip, slander. I mean, that's why I want you to hear the message last night that was on Facebook. You've got to hear the Bible study about the church at Ephesus in the book of Revelation, how their love affair with God was so deep and rich, and yet how they had fallen. Mm, you need to hear it. You need to hear it. Jody says, hello, Jody. Those who don't take the shot are awake. Those who do are not. Kevin Halger says, Diane Gravely, those people are not following God, but what is fleshly to themselves, Brenda says, true Jody. 
All right, so we got into uh, Kevin Hauger, deep truth, not wanted. I think there are those who don't want all of the meat, only what brings them to the pearly gates. We must know all to help them see God in his kingdom. Amen. Well said. Um, so we're getting down to the shot now. You want to have that conversation about the shot, the shot, the shot that was heard around the world, the vaccination. What about the vaccination? It's dividing our nation further between those who will and those who will not. Masks did the same thing. What's coming upon the earth? You want to just be brutally honest? Death and destruction. Pestilence and plague. Disease. A lung-wasting disease is coming on this earth. People's lungs will no longer be able to breathe the air. There's a lung-wasting disease recorded in Scripture that's going to be released in this earth to reduce the population. When you can't breathe, you're being suffocated. Every breath that you breathe today, give God thanks. You want to know the brutal truth? You want to get into stuff without being hypersensational? You want to know what's coming on this earth? Do you really want to know? Because if we start doing that, it's all fear-mongering. No. You really want to know? Death, destruction, war, pestilence, famine, upheaval in nature. It's not over. It's ramping up. As we've been saying, we believe the third wave is the wave of war. And what are we witnessing now after all of the anarchy and civil disobedience? Everything just got calmed down the other day because of Chauvin's conviction, right, up in Minnesota. But that's when the third wave comes. The the wave before it comes, it turmoils, it passes. And then the third wave in the set. What is the third wave? We say it's war. What's happening right now? There's talk and chatter everywhere about nuclear war. Any moment now, war. We'll see. We believe that war will come. It's scriptural. It's biblical. And it's it's prophetic in a timeline. Where are you going to be? See, what I saw nearly 30 years ago from heaven, from space, suspended space, I saw home fellowships, little lights scattered in the darkness and people experiencing the glory of God and the presence of God in those homes. I didn't even know what this was about 30 years ago. I didn't know about electromagnetic pulses. I didn't know about the grid going out. I didn't know any of it. I just saw it. It was taken in the spirit. And here we are right now, and God's saying, get your home fellowships in order. 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 You run a business, do it without order and see how far your business will go. You're the, you're the owner of the business, and you turn it over to workers without order, 
and you don't demand order in that business, see what the end of it will be. There's got to be order. There must be order. The opposite of order is confusion. The devil is about to bring a new world order out of chaos. He creates the chaos. He creates the crises. He creates as much as he possibly can to subdue, to depopulate, to quench, to control, and to bring people into the new order of things. Novus order secorum on every dollar bill, right? So the devil is ordering his kingdom. In the book of Isaiah, it says that Jesus Christ will establish and order his kingdom. God's kingdom is not a disorderly arrangement of everybody doing what they want to do. It's very active, and there is flow, and there is energy, and there is life, and it moves. Okay, I get that, but it has a divine order to it. If your body starts doing things that your mind doesn't tell it to do, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. Order, order, order. You've heard of mental disorders? What is a mental disorder? It means your mind is not operating properly. It's disordered. And we call that a sickness. Christ's mind is not schizophrenic. Christ's mind is not divided. Christ's mind is not disordered. His mind has a particular order. It's revealed in his word. And even though it hasn't been accomplished as of yet, he's not changing his mind for his ecclesia, the 50th generation. He wants to show his power, but it must go through order. Do you want to see the power of God displayed on this earth through you, through your ecclesia, through the body of Christ? I do. I saw the power of God manifest through Elijah, Moses, and Aaron. I mean, bringing destruction upon nations and shutting up the heavens. And I mean, that's just a preview of a global community of believers who came into order that now the divine power of God can manifest through them. That'll change the world. It'll usher in the king and his kingdom. It'll demand the second heavens to throw Satan out onto this earth to finalize his work and then be utterly taken out of the way. But if the church doesn't come into order, the enemy just keeps running roughshod over everybody. If the church refuses to gather together in a unanimous harmony with a governmental order that produces good fruit, the enemy just keeps winning over and over. Somewhere there's got to be the gathering of the ecclesia. I believe at New Wine Ministries, we have a measure of that in operation. And it's producing. It's necessary. It's not an option. I mean, it is an option in the sense of you could choose, but if you want to see the glory, it's going to require order. I can say it 10,000 times. 
I could say it 10,000 times. So I see that uh, Marissa has joined us on the road. And by the way, Marissa, safe journeys to you and your husband as you're traveling. Uh, I just got a download. Melody, happy birthday to you. So Robert and Melody, Melody, what a name for the sermon we're having today about the unanimous harmony. Melody, happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. Everybody bless Melody and pray that her life this year will be so exponentially gathered up and taken into glorious realms of God's divine agape love. Oh, hallelujah. All right, Melody, happy birthday. I also want to say here, Marissa saying, I'm no longer allowed at family gatherings because I have refused the vaccine. Sorry to hear that. It's part of the price, isn't it? I'm taking, I'm talking about my sisters and our parents and extended family. Mm -hmm. Brenda Torville says, my mentor told me this would happen. She told me this 30 years ago. Brenda says, keep the mind of Christ. Thank you, Pastor Vincent, for your teachings. Welcome. Diane Gravely says, if I'm asked about the shot, I tell people I am fully vaccinated. Hallelujah. It is by the Lord, but to keep arguments at bay, I leave it at that. Remember, the vaccination is called the J-Con vaccination, Diane. The J-Con vaccination with certificate PS91. The J-Con, the Jesus Christ of Nazareth vaccination. I tell them the same thing. All right, Shirley Wolseley, my precious niece, happy birthday. Ah, Shirley, your niece is Melody. Melody, happy birthday. This is great. All right, you guys are awfully quiet now on the blog talk radio line. Does anybody want to share about anything yet? Oh, by the way, Stan Johnson, Dimitri Duneman, nuclear holocaust, radiation, poisoning, pestilence, plague, famine. That's what's going on. Is there a protection from it? Yeah, there really is. There is a protection. There is a J-Con vaccination for sure. For that blood of Jesus carries DNA and code to demolish every sickness and disease, not just COVID. So is there protection against wars and all these things? Absolutely. It's within the context of divine government, divine order. Waiting for your call, 818-369-0326, the number 818-369-0326. Press 1 on your dial pad, and we'll bring you right into the broadcast. If not, uh, we are going to simply begin to wrap things up. I think we had a decent conversation I think we've had a decent conversation. For those of you that have heard and you're hearing, you're listening, pray, really, really pray that the government of God comes into your region. Pray that God will gather together, shoulder up his ministry. Those anointed gifts. Oh, man, it's so rich. It's so good. And I think we're going to leave it at that for today. And we're going to turn this over to a roundtable discussion by Patricia Joy Xavier on OmegaRadio.org. You're not going to want to miss it. They're talking about some demonic issues that were going on in the church and how to deal with those issues. 
right now on Omega Radio. I'm Pastor Vince. I'll see you tomorrow. Take these words, pray about them, see what God will say. We'll see you tomorrow. Shalom.